Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of the Sprinkler Nerd Show. I'm your host, Andy Humphrey. This is episode 77, and we're going to be talking everything dig. D-I-double-G. No, just kidding. Just D-I-G. Dig. Dig Corp. You may have seen dig in industry catalogs. You may have experience with the product, or you might know about zero from dig. And what I like about dig is they're kind of a... hmm, off-the-radar company, meaning they're not one of the big industry brands, but I did learn that they've got some pretty sweet technology uh, around battery controllers that we're going to really get into today with our guest, Mike Merlesina. Mike is the National Sales Manager for Dig Corporation, and what's really interesting about the relationship I've started to build with Mike is, number one, It started on LinkedIn. We actually like connected and started our relationship on LinkedIn. I think that's kind of cool because that, you know, 10 years ago, that's not how you met someone. So Mike and I, (laughs) sounds kind of funny, like dating or something. Mike and I met on LinkedIn and then we had a couple calls in the real world. And as we were getting to know each other, again, that just sounds funny, but as we were getting to know each other, we, we discovered that we had both had gone to a private high school and uh, different high schools and we both played football and we both graduated the same year. And ironically, Mike and I played football against each other in the New England high school state football championships. And we were literally going shoulder to shoulder against each other. And here we are, uh, 25 years later meeting in the real world and 25 years ago we were going shoulder to shoulder in the new england high school state football championships and i'm happy to say that my school won (laughs) and it was an awesome game and i actually found my old uh, football film tapes and i had put them on youtube and i sent that over to mike and we just kind of had one of those moments of like holy crap is the world small. So you never know who you're going to meet and what their pasts might have in common with your own. But I just thought that was a pretty funny story. The world got very small. So I have no doubt that uh, Mike and I will probably stay friends, you know, regardless, because we've got that kind of cool common ground in our past. So uh, I won't uh, talk anymore. Let's roll the intro and get into the episode. If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you wanna use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old-school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. Hey, Mike, welcome to the Sprinkler Nerd Show, my friend. Glad to have you today. Thank you very much for having me. Let's just start. I'm in my recording office here in Traverse City, Michigan. Where are you today? So I'm in uh, America's Finest City, San Diego, California. Fantastic. Is that home of Top Gun, right? (laughs) Absolutely. They did, uh, you know, obviously filming on the first one here and then on the second one that's out right now. um, They definitely did some filming here in the greater San Diego area. It's definitely one of our movie claims to fame for sure. We went to uh, San Diego two Thanksgivings ago. My wife had to go to the the bar, which has the piano where they film the scene. 
Yeah, it was at Kansas, the Kansas City barbecue. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind uh, of like a little hole in the wall place, center. but yeah. if you're into Top Gun, it's like a landmark. Yeah, you got to go. And then there's the house in Oceanside. I don't know if you guys no, we didn't out there, but that uh, that bar is a pretty cool bar, a little barbecue spot. But even if you just want to go in there for for a drink or two, it's a cool, cool little spot. Okay. All right. Well, we had a little chatter there, chit chat to just ease into this conversation. So Mike, you are the uh, national sales manager for dig and I'm excited to learn about dig because I don't have that much personal hands-on experience with dig. And so let's just start by giving us like the dig one Oh one. Gotcha. Dig is an interesting company. Uh, It's funny because a lot of people have heard of dig in some form or fashion, even from an agricultural standpoint. So um, the owner of Dig is, is Israeli, and we have been around, believe it or not, this is going to be our 41st year in business. So overall, we're you know a good-sized company. We're much bigger on the retail side of things. You know, Home Depot is one of our biggest customers on, on the retail side, but I run the commercial division. So our, our focus is, you know, even going back from a historic standpoint, Dig was, believe it or not, one of the first manufacturers to sell drip in the US back in the in the early 80s when when we came around obviously an Israeli owner you know they were the first ones to bring you know drip and micro irrigation technology here in the US so uh, David Levy is the owner and he's still very involved with the company he's been saying he's going to be retiring for years on end now but you know it's his <laughs> baby so he's uh, he's, he's going to be i think riding the train for a little bit longer but we'll see Every, every year when we're done with the IA show, you know, he puts his hands up in the air and says, you know, this is going to be my last time I'm setting this booth up. And lo and behold, he's, he's doing the same thing the next year. So I, yeah. I never know what to believe. But, and it's not um, because the IA show is so fun. It's yeah, just he's exactly. still running the company. <laughs> Spending, you know, five hours setting our booth up and four hours taking it down. It's, it's always one of the most joyous days of the year. But um Let's talk about those two things that you mentioned, retail and commercial. How does Dig define retail versus commercial? What products are sold in those channels? So uh, there's definitely some crossover as far as anything drip and micro. We sell the same products in commercial as we do in retail, but retail is a lot more homeowner oriented and focused. You know, we, we don't sell any drip kits or micro spray or micro sprinkler kits on the commercial side. So uh, it's just more homeowner oriented, more pretty packaging. You know, you'll pay, you know, more obviously for the, for the pretty packaging. And um, another focus of ours, so, you know, like I said, anything drip, micro irrigation. Uh, we also focus on alternative powered irrigation controllers. Uh, so those being our very unique light controllers, LEIT. So that stands for light energized irrigation technology. So those are very unique where you know the, like our battery operated controllers those are used in areas uh, where you're going to have a difficult time getting ac power to that site could be a median strip pocket park habitat restoration cemetery green roof median strips is, is the biggest one for sure so there we have smaller controllers with that line anywhere from uh, we actually have it in a hose end timer that technology okay uh, evo 100 going up to our light one product and then all the way to our commercial controllers, Light X, Light 4000, Light XRC. Those go up to 28 stations uh, with that system. And then Dig overall, you know, we were the first manufacturers to ever sell battery-operated controllers here in the U.S. 
which I think is wow. you know, pretty cool. We definitely have a unique line. You know, nowadays there's a lot of manufacturers, you know, even a lot of the full line ones, you know, manufacturing drip and, and, and micro irrigation, but it's nice to have a niche and have a product that, that no one else has. You know, there are other yeah. solar power controllers, but <clears throat> to have a self-contained product, you know, that runs off ambient light that you can put anywhere and, and be powered by super capacitors, not batteries. So it allows the controller to be a permanent you know, solution. Yeah. I, I love how we quickly skipped right by drip and micro irrigation and we went right to the cool stuff that controls yeah, and battery. Yeah. yeah. So it didn't take long. So thank you for, <laughs> for getting us there. And this is where we could probably spend a lot of time because this is a, you know, supposed to be a technology type podcast. And let me ask you a couple of questions. I want to jump yeah. back for a second. What does DIG stand for? So it stands for drip in garden. Okay. Interesting. Very, very good question. And we've kind of, it's funny now that you asked that question. We did, um, this is my second tour of duty with DIG. I ran Southern California for them 2005 to 2010. And we always, back in those days, it was always DIG. So, and then we rebranded our, our logo, thank God. And I guess, this all happened when I was not with the company for eight years. So now it, they, they wanted to kind of pull it all together and we're, when we're dig. So that's cool. Some Cause we're in the green industry. DIG so it's like, too, so. yeah. Yeah. And then you mentioned that uh, dig was the first company to sell or market battery operated timers. Yep. Wow. So tell us more about that. You know, how long ago was it and what did that product look like? So that, that goes way back to the early eighties. And, um, so for many, many, many years up until 2013, 14, again, I I was, uh, out of commission, so to speak with dig for, for Mm -hmm. eight years, very primitive. So you had a, it was like a small little black box. And you had to physically be there at the controller when you wanted it to run. So if you wanted to come on at two in the morning, two thirty in the morning, three in the morning, you physically had to be there at those times to physically activate that that controller at that time. Wow! So, so it didn't have any onboard memory at all no, programming. No, very very primitive. So, so how um, is that different than just like turning the valve on with your hand? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know? pretty much. It's just okay. that essentially what it was. It just was more yeah. or less, you know, if you want to water in the early morning when you should be, you know, you okay. physically need to be there to, uh, you know, kind of manually actuate or, you know, kind of set the memory for the controller. So we were working with a company called Galcon. They're, they're based in Israel. So mm-hmm. we were selling Galcon's products from day one up until 2000, you know, 13, 14 in that kind of neck of the woods. And um, so we've been now manufacturing our own battery operated controllers ever since, which is a huge thing, especially today with, uh, you know, the the microchip shortage that's going on. So it puts us in a nice spot where anything alternative powered, it's 100 percent of our business and about 10 percent of the market. So, you know, we have a lot of the full line manufacturers. I mean, we're all fighting for single digits, you know, from a market share standpoint. So it's nice that they need all those chips for AC. Uh, you know, for all their AC controllers, central controllers and all that. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to kind of be in the position we're in with mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, things going on the way they cool. are in the market right now. And 
uh, manufacturing so many battery type controllers. Do you guys do any private labeling for other brands? Uh, we do not at, at okay. this point in time. Just curious. Not that I want to. I mean, yeah, maybe absolutely. I would want to. Absolutely. I'm all about <laughs> diversity. I mean, no one makes everything. You know, we, we do manufacture products for other manufacturers and in the industry and, 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 and vice versa. So let's staying on this battery uh, timers we have. You mentioned there's a hose tap timer. Right. And then you can go, uh, well, why don't you tell us what are the different types of battery timers? So if we're going all the way back to hose end timers, you know, like I said, we have our Evo one. Yeah. I just kind of want to lay the land for the, all the types okay. of battery timers that there are, okay. um, available. Okay. So we have the, the Evo 100 on, on the hose end side. So that will have a small little PVM, a small little super capacitor in there. So it's nice. You just take the batteries out of the equation. Um, we do have a battery operated Bluetooth hose end timer. Uh, we do have two, two of our most popular hose end timers are BO 9D. So that's just the hose end timer with the LCD screen. And then we have another very, very, very simple controller looks exactly the same, the BO 92A. So that will have dials, you know, homeowners or who's ever operating and wants something very simple with, you know, duration and, and how many days you'd like that controller to run. That's, that's a, a good bet okay. for you. You know, they just, they just run on a nine volt battery. And then with our, you know, quote unquote, standard battery operated controllers in commercial, we offer our 400A, we kind of call that the, uh, the node killer. So okay. that is um, a great controller, very cost competitive to any, anything that's going on in the marketplace right now. So then we have that controller, we have a single station Bluetooth battery operated controller. So that'd be our 400A. So both of those are single stations only. And then we have our 710A series. So that also is a single station, a two station, a four station, and a six station. So we, we have some very nice advantages outside of just price. We have seven adapters in total. So that allows the ultimate in retrofit capabilities. And when you say adapter, do you mean, is that a solenoid adapter? Yes, exactly. Okay. A solenoid adapter. So that will allow you to fit to virtually any valve on the market in, in, the, in the commercial space. And huh. those same adapters you can use with our light controller products as well. So the thread on the base of the solenoid, both of the our, no, our DC latching solenoid and, and the Lima 1600 HE that, that's only used for our light products. Yeah, seven different adapters so you can retrofit to anybody in the marketplace. And now that we've been making our own controllers for a number of years, we made a lot of improvements from a feature standpoint, everyone uses nine volt batteries, as did we for a number of years when we were buying right. controllers from Galcon. So now we're using two AA batteries. So those will be less expensive. And this was a little mental thing, I guess I had to get over. You know, if you look at a nine volt and two AA's, everyone mm -hmm. thinks, you know, with, with two nine volts in our old controllers that you'll get more, more power out of the controller. And that's actually not the case which I thought was very interesting when I, when I came back to dig and, you know, I had to learn about some of the changes that, that were going on. So the two double A's will be less expensive. That will allow you a, a longer battery life back in the day, our controllers and a lot of our competitors, you know, now in, in, in current day, batteries will last about a year. So you'll use, they'll, they'll have uh, two nine volts. And so with us, we'll have two double A's and we'll get about a three year battery life compared to one. And also the nine volts, you know, when you take, the uh the nine volts off you know you change the battery and, and that's the thing too is you can really 
have a much longer battery life with our controllers, which is great. But a lot of people are so used to changing out our battery operated controllers years ago or our competitors' battery operated controllers, and they just kind of habitually change the battery out once a year instead of taking advantage of, of the longer life, which is which mm -hmm. is too bad. And so we also give, you know, I mentioned the seven adapters. So in our single station controllers, we now give you three of uh, three adapters, uh, which is kind of the, like the big, we give you the big three. We give you one for Hunter, yep. one for Rainbird, and then one for Toro, Eritrol, and, um, and K-Rain. Okay. And um, yeah, so those are some, you know. Very and the adapter, things. I'm just guessing it's a plastic piece that just goes under yep. the solenoid and then fits your timer. Exactly. So yep. you'll just gut the, gut the solenoid port of whatever valve you know you're working with put in one of our adapters then put our solenoid in and you know the solenoid is hardwired in on all of our single station controllers okay and um yeah it's a, a very 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 good value i mean it, yeah cool can we price compared to anybody else let's step back to a keyword that you mentioned and i th i think it's a key part of your equipment, but I want to make sure we don't skip over it in case anybody listening doesn't understand what it is. And I don't know that I'm totally familiar with what it is, but you mentioned this word supercapacitor. Yes. So what is a supercapacitor? And, so and, and, say, and, and compare it to the flux capacitor too, yeah. please. <laughs> it can't be a podcast without the flux capacitor. It's, I mean, that's it's iconic of a movie and probably the most quoted movie of my existence. Yeah. I'm not really, wasn't a top gun fan. So this whole Maverick fam, like whatever, yeah. where is the new back it's, to the future? It's all about the eighties, Andy. It's, it's the foundation of our lives. You know? Yeah. So a super capacitor, it, it's, I'd say it's kind of like a battery on steroids. You know, they can be big ones and small ones. So they just have a much, much longer life than a, than a battery. With our controllers, you know, it's like anything. I mean, we have a 28 station light X. So that has 28 valves. So there's going to be, you know, obviously more ons and offs, and we're going to need to hold more power and harness more power. Again, harness. I remember Doc Brown specifically talking about the yeah. flux capacitor and harnessing. So I figured I'd throw yeah. that one in there. So it's just, you know, we're going to have, you know, obviously a smaller supercapacitor for our Light One product and our Evo 100. That's the single station solar power controller and then and then the hose end timer. So you're only going to need, you know, a, a much smaller supercapacitor. But if there's no battery, how does the capacitor get its charge? Or how does it don't you have to have a battery in order to operate it or so essentially the the supercapacitor just takes the place of a battery. So, you know, it'll have a much longer life, um, which is I mean, that's really the big thing. You know, when we talk about our light products, it's allowing the controller to be a permanent solution for that area. And we're talking about the capac super capacitor when it's solar powered. Yes. Okay. So with, with our products, the, the nice advantages are we have the only irrigation controllers on the planet that run off ambient light. So that's another great feature. There's, you know, taking the batteries out of the equation and adding super capacitors and then you know, allowing the controller to function, even if it was in a corner somewhere, seeing absolutely no direct sunlight whatsoever, that 28 station controller will, with, will have, you know, four, um, four start times, I'm sorry, four programs with three start times. So, I mean, AC style programming, you can accomplish anything you'd like to accomplish. 
um, you know, with our product. So it's nice to be able to just tell somebody, just put this out, this controller outside and you're good to go. Even if it had, even if it was in a corner seeing no sunlight and had one of our stainless steel enclosures around it. Um, okay. It's really funny up in LA, there's one spot and I've taken pictures of this controller and it's underneath I think it's in like Covina, the Covina, East LA area. Mm-hmm. And the, this, the four, like, there's a light 4000 in a stainless steel enclosure, very dense canopy of a tree. This, this controller sees absolutely no direct sunlight whatsoever. And uh, that controller has been there for many, many, many years. And, and what allows that to be possible? How is that possible? Honestly, from an engineering standpoint, I don't, I don't know like the nitty gritty details, yeah. you know, as far as that goes, I'm just a stupid sales guy that knows the basics, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's like assume some things or guess my, I would guess that because it's DC, then it just latches on and it latches closed. So it's not consuming a lot of power. Yes. Um, yeah, exactly. And so, just and like then you've got your, switch. and then you've got your super capacitor, which stores a lot. So there's a lot available so that it can then just use ambient light it doesn't need as much to power up because it's not using as much either yeah yeah exactly i mean like you said it's just it's like turning a light switch on and off you know you don't need a consistent 24 volt pulse to keep that solenoid open and yeah and you know obviously from a closing standpoint how interesting is it that we that we use ac solenoids you know, I find it fascinating that 99% of irrigation controllers are all AC. Yep. And I don't, there's a part of me that just says that doesn't need to be that way. I understand the challenges, you know, if a wire gets cut, mm-hmm. most systems just stay in that same, whatever it was latched open yep. can stick. You know, how, how do you guys address, let's say that, you know, a wire getting cut? Yeah, I mean, I think to the technology has come a long way. A lot of people don't want to use a battery operator controller. And, and I mean, I get it. You don't want to put something, battery controllers don't last forever. Ours, anybody's, I mean, they're in the absolute worst spot that you can actually, that you could put any type of electronics, um, you know, in a valve box, potentially getting flooded, um, just moisture, um, you know, humidity, you know, that can get, obviously mm-hmm. get amplified more in, in very, warm and humid areas, you know, Florida, Texas, uh, you know, Arizona. So you're, you're up against it already. You're in a, you're in a very difficult spot. But let's take your light product. You know, it's not in the box. It's like, how tall is the light above the ground? So it, uh, we have two different mounting columns for each controller. So I'd say ballpark, it's going to be about chest high. Okay. So. Yeah. So again, like, let's just take a, you know, Hunter has a a XC hybrid, right? It does not in the ground. It's just mounted on the wall. That's why I'm like, how come irrigation controllers all have 24 volts? It just seems like we should be moving beyond that and finding smarter ways to use power, like using DC. Like you said, with power, it's, you're definitely using a lot more power, you know, AC to DC. But, um, and the technology I think has has definitely come a long way. I mean, like I mentioned, you know, we first started selling controllers. I mean, as primitive as you could possibly get. So things have come a long way. I think with all manufacturers, you know, there's a lot more, you know, competition, even when I was with Dig and left the company initially in in, in 2010. So, I mean, for the most part, uh, every full line manufacturer, uh, you know, even in some of the middle-sized ones, they're all making battery operated you know, in some yeah. fashion and we have more competition 
even though the, the product can't do exactly what light does with the super, via the supercapacitors and ambient light, um, there are definitely more solar powered controllers out there. Let's um, I'd love to kind of hear in your words, like about your flagship light product, you know, and I know you have a remote control, right. Mm-hmm. That connects to it too. Yep. Um, yeah. Maybe tell us more about like your flagship line. Okay. So, you know, I've definitely talked a decent amount about light, but you yeah. know, it's like anything from our standpoint, it's always nice to have something that no one else has. So we kind of have a monopoly, you know, with that product. So we have, our, our light one product. So that is just going to be a small ambient light powered controller that does need to be, um, you know, above ground. So that's just a single station and that can like our battery operated or light. I mean, we can retrofit to pretty much any valve out there in the market. We do sell that product into the ag market, uh, believe it or not a little bit mm-hmm. Sure. Um, in Hawaii and California where people are just looking for, they want to take the batteries out of the equation and they just want to have you know something to do some pretty simple programming. Um, so then you jump up to light two. So the light two product is a pretty cool product. So that at this point in time is our only, uh, smart weather-based system. So, that, oh, really? Yeah. Cool. So we actually won new product of the year, uh, with light two back in 2009 when the product first came out. So it's just a two station ambient light powered controller and that, can mount be mounted in three different ways. So it's going to mount either right on top of the valve box on a small column or post. If you wanted to not have it, you know, right on the valve box, if you're worried about vandalism and you mm-hmm. want to tuck the controller back on, you know, a couple hundred feet and, and run some wire to it, or you can mount it right on the side of the solenoid. So that will, it will just strictly comes in a two station, hence the, hence mm-hmm. the light two. And the nice thing about it, there's no buttons or knobs on the controller. So everything is run off of a handset. So the handset, you connect to the controller. So 350 feet is the range. Okay. So you the, the controller knows nothing right out of the box. Mm-hmm. So you need to ID the controller. You can go with one remote, one up to 99 controllers. So you ID it, label it, program it. Then the nice thing is you just walk away with your remote and no one can mess with it unless they knew the idea wow. of the controller and all that. And so you can use the controller. That's another nice upgrade from a battery operated controller, you know, where someone may not want to spend the money on a, uh, a standard light controller. So you can, you know, have these light two units, you know, there's a lot of municipalities I've talked to that have hundreds of battery operated controllers. So yeah, it's nice to take the maintenance out of the equation of even just, you know, changing I mean, potentially thousands of batteries, hundreds of batteries every year. You know, that's a lot of waste. Yeah. Hopefully people recycle the batteries. I mean, that's, you know. And, and how do you get the, you mentioned weather data. How does it? Yeah. So you, you can that? use, you can use the product just like that and just essentially, you know, have it take the place of a battery operated controller. But we do have a on-site uh, a weather station that also has a 350 foot range. So that's the same range mm. as the remote. And with that product, um, so that the weather station actually runs off ambient light as well. And it is powered by super, super capacitors as well. So that just needs to be within 350 feet. Again, that's something you want to test. We've had some, some jobs go in that are close to airports or close to anywhere yeah. where there's some type of potential interference. So that's going to yep. cut down on the range, you know, a little bit, you know, every site is different. That's obviously, you know, 
possible question to answer how much and, yeah. and all that jazz. The nice thing with that product is too, you know, with a lot of smart controllers going off a zip code here in California and a lot of areas out West, it is microclimates galore. So mm -hmm. the nice thing with that, you're getting as site specific data as you can possibly gather on that median strip, pocket park, you know, wherever the, the, the product is installed. And that is, is relaying that information to the controller, you know, after you put in your five or six, um, you know, inputs on a zone by zone basis, and then you're pretty much, you know, off and running. Cool. So that's light two. And now on, on our standard light controllers that have been around for many, many, many years, we have our, our light 4,000. So that's four, six, and eight stations. And then when you jump up to the light X, that will be 10 to 28 stations. Oh, wow. And, um, and then we have our XRC. So that's going to be our remote capable controller. And even if that is a smaller, if it is either, you know, four, six, anything below 10 stations due to the hardware in, in the controller that will come in a, in a bigger controller. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the 4,000 is maybe 35% smaller than the light X. And again, the, the footprint of the, of the product is very small. I and mean, we're talking about, about the size of a, of a football. That's about as big as it gets. Yeah. I think if, if you're listening and you haven't seen one of these products before, and I don't, this might be a bad analogy, Mike, but I would describe it as like an old fashioned parking meter ish. Yep. Absolutely. That's a perfect analogy. The, it's about um, that size. I get the joke all the time of, you know, where do I put the money in? So um, that's actually a fantastic idea. <laughs> if I had a little pocket in here, I'd just be like right in there. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, so the XRC, then we have a remote that, that works with that. So that will work much farther than the light two from a distance standpoint. Uh, so that that distance is 800 feet line of sight. There's a lot of you know municipalities that do use it in that form or fashion. I've seen the stat many, many times. There's about a half a dozen people from a municipality standpoint or a maintenance contractor standpoint that get killed every year from just oncoming traffic. So it's nice when they can just pull, pull over on the side of the road, put the flashers on, make their adjustments instead of physically going to the controller. And then we'll have a very, very exciting new product coming out called Light Link. So the XRC, for the most part, will be phased out. So this new product is going to solve a lot of people's problems and save people a lot of money. So this new product will go to 32 stations. It'll have the same benefits as, as light, um, you know, running off ambient light, being powered by supercapacitors. So this product will be cloud-based, weather-based, and flow-sensing capable. So this is going to check uh, all the boxes for, I mean, everybody across the board. There's been a need for this product uh, for I mean, quite some time, but it's very difficult to, you know, you have X amount of power, you have X amount of footprint, you know, with everything from a manufacturing standpoint to be able to have something that's cloud-based, flow sensing capable um, and all that. So there's going to be, uh, you know, for sure, a lot of retrofit, you know, opportunities with the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of light controllers um, that are out in the marketplace. So it's going to be great to be able to just get, you know, email updates, text updates, you know, you have too much flow on valve number three, you're going to know the location, where to go, you know, how to fix it, you know, and all that stuff. And flow sensing is a big thing now, but it's only, it's only getting bigger and it's a must in certain areas. And you need to have something weather-based, 
something mm-hmm. ET based, uh, you know, especially here in California. Yeah. So that's going to be very exciting, uh, you know, from a retrofit standpoint, but also, you know, from a new, you know, project standpoint, I'm already getting yeah. people reaching out to me, you know, the product should be out, better be out this fall. Yeah. So, well, know, that was my next question. Crazy. And as soon as you say a number, you have to own it. So just say yeah. a range, like, is this in the next five years possible? <laughs> yeah, exactly. When is the release date? Yeah. So we are targeting uh, September, October, some sometime in that time frame. So to give us a little bit of leeway, I'd say by the end of the year, we will right. have the product out for sure. Yeah. I think, I think that uh, just what I'm hearing about this product, it's going to the fit for it. it's awesome. As long as it works as absolutely. advertised, absolutely. you guys will do great with it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Very excited. You know, and I think some of that technology, it'll be interesting to see because I think DC will have a long-term play in industry, especially as it relates to wireless, because whenever you're wireless now, now power becomes, you know, something that's important because you can't always power all of your devices all the time. If it's wireless, something has to power it. Yeah. And I think that it might be possible to see some of the technology that you're talking about go all the way down to residential, right? It's like, why yeah. not just have wireless valves at every home and just get rid of the wires? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, wire is uh, continuing to go up. I mean, all the commodities are going up like crazy now, you know, but something like wire is, 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 is it's fine. Yeah. And when you look yeah. at where are the problems in our industry, it is, poor connections, wires getting cut, yep. corroding, like yep. wire is like the single largest problem that we have. So why not just get rid of it? Absolutely. It's just one <laughs> less, it's just one more thing to potentially take out of the equation. Like when I go out and sometimes meet with people, if someone's having issues with their product, it's, you know, it's the controller, it's the wire or it's the valve solenoid. So it's, you know, generally speaking, it's one of those three things. That's how we yeah. kind of you know, test things. So if you could take one of those things out of the equation, um, you know, wires get nicked, things get corroded, nothing lasts forever. So to, you know, like you said, to take one thing out, one less, more thing out of the equation. Yeah. So I've got, I want to ask you not to change subjects here too much, but as commercial sales manager, can you tell us a little bit about how, you know, you actually go to market in terms of like, do you sell to distributors? Do you sell direct to contractors? Do you have factory direct reps? Do you use green industry reps? What does your sales organization look like? So we have made a lot of changes. At certain points in time, we had maybe four or five manufacturers reps and one or two direct sales reps. I've made a lot of changes, you know, since I came back to dig and it's very difficult to find people, honestly, that can really sell something. I mean, we have a niche line. You're not going to, I mean, you can sell products from our standpoint. I mean, everything is sold through distribution. Uh, okay. We do not sell, you know, direct to anybody. So, you know, when I'm going, when we're going up against some bigger companies, uh, you know, the full line manufacturers, someone like NDS, you know, they're kind of the commodity masters. You know, they do drainage, they, everything involving commodities from a plastic standpoint, they do quite a bit of that. So a lot of times it's very difficult for us, um, even having a full drip and micro irrigation line, selling some battery operated light, that's difficult for us, you know, at times. So how we run, how like current dig now, six, nine, 22, we do, we do not at this point have any direct reps anymore. Okay. And um, <clears throat> we only have two manufacturers reps. But I would say overall, things are, are even with lack of 
excuse me, boots on the ground. I mean, things are going very well from an, an overall sales standpoint. We should be at the most that we have ever sold in the history of the company without, you know, some of the large overhead that we've had in, in the past yeah. from, from reps. I mean, when I was at Dig before, we had someone in Northern California. I ran Southern California. We had someone in Texas. We had someone covering Arizona and New Mexico. So, that I mean, they were all Dig, you know, direct sales reps, you know, obviously including myself and probably eight or nine manufacturers reps. So, mm-hmm. um and what, what would you say is the what state is your is your like best market? California, for California. Sure. I would yeah. say of all the business we do, it's probably about sixty percent of the market. Um, we do a decent chunk of business in Arizona, Nevada, Hawaii, Texas, a little bit in Florida, and then you know, kind of going back to your to the initial question, we're experiencing a, a lot of growth with internet based companies. Okay. Um, I mean, anybody that is brought on our line, we've done really, really well with them. And, um, you know, especially with COVID, a lot of people, you know, being home, wanting to buy irrigation supplies. And the nice thing is it's like 7-Eleven. I mean, um, you know, better than anybody. It's everything is open 24-7, seven days a week. It doesn't stop. You want something, you can price search. You can look, you know, this, that, and the other. Compare manufacturers, compare pricing. Um, so that's something that we've, you know, done, you know, pretty well with, you know, over the past couple of years and, um, you know, our OEM business has, has, has picked up as well. So, um, you know, hmm. I try and be as diverse as, you know, humanly possible, you know, OEM business distribution, it's our sales cycle. Um, I mean, going to distributors is important, especially the independents, but those are seemingly getting, you know, bought up more and more and more every time yep. I get emails from site ones buying somebody horizon heritage, you name it. Yeah. But you know, for us with our unique products, I mean, that's, that's even with battery operated controllers, it's all about pull through sales, calling on contractors, calling on landscape architects, calling on irrigation consultants, yep. them at the end of the municipalities. I mean, they're at the end of the day, they're the ones that are making the decisions to specify or use your products in some form or fashion. So, you know, yep. we're going to have a pretty robust, you know, marketing campaign, uh, you know, obviously with when someone, some, when a product like Light Link comes out, that's something we're going to go, you know, pretty crazy. Uh, yeah. I mean, you'll want to pour your resources right yeah. there because that's a, it will be a very unique product with an yeah. awesome, you know, Absolutely. category opportunity. Yeah. And even something like LinkedIn, I try and be as active as possible on something like LinkedIn. I mean, I look at that as like, it's, it's free advertising. So I try and have as many connections as I humanly can. And it's nice to just kind of casually enlighten people that, Oh, I, I know about dig or I used to buy dig, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you know, a lot has, um, I mean, there's some things that, that are the same, but you know, a lot has changed. New products get added, some products get, you know, obviously subtracted, but, um, yeah, just trying to market. Yeah. As we can. Cool. Well, you know, you, you take full, you are responsible for all of the sales, right? So I think it's easy to forget for people listening that like, Mike, you, man, like all dig sales is sitting on your shoulders, right? The company is counting on you pressure, just coming down more. <laughs> to, you know, maintain the sales and yeah. hitting certain quotas, because if you yeah. don't, then manufacturing, you know, everything is sort of built on revenue first. If the revenue is not there, it can't flow through the P&L into all the other yeah. parts of the business. And so I'm 
sort of saying this and I wanted to ask you, like, what is the most difficult part of, you know, your responsibility there? Yeah, I mean, I would say exactly what you said. Nowadays, as of February, we have, you know, no more direct reps. So I'm pretty much running everything, you know, in the U.S. and Canada. It sounds like a lot and it, it can be at times. It's just a matter of just staying on things. As emails come in, they got to go out. I mean, we need to do the best. I need to do the best job we can and us as a company of offering the best, you know, customer service and getting back to people. You know, I talk to customers obviously all the time and, you know, remotely and, and in person. And it's like anything, I, you know, whether you're in the irrigation industry or not. No one likes not hearing something. At least tell somebody, hey, I'm working on this and I'll circle back with you. You know, I've heard a lot of they, 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 need to know, they need to be heard. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, with no lead times or, I mean, there's obviously certain products that everyone, I don't care how big or how small you are, you're experiencing much longer lead times, shipping, you know, delays. Labor is an enormous problem uh, right now. And, and that's for everybody. Uh, we can't find anybody to work almost regardless of how much money we want to pay them or some type of sign-on bonus. So you have everything, all that kind of thrown into the equation of, you know, just manufacturing across mm-hmm. the board and, and that's, you know, with everybody. You talked about like this pull through and I, I would agree that, you know, unless the product is sort of there and there's demand, you need to pull your sale through. Yeah. And let's just say, for instance, you know, this could be looked at this podcast right here could be looked at as a potential pull through, meaning, you know, there's a contractor listening or a distributor, somebody listening to this right now, sometime yeah. in the future. Yeah. And they're like, ah, oh, that light battery controller sounds great. And let's say that they reach out to you. And I'm just theoretically saying, hey, they're in Columbus, Ohio. Right. And maybe, you know, you know what? We don't have uh, a product not stocked in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. You know, how does that, mm-hmm. how do you ensure that that interested contractor in that portion of America that wants that product and can't buy directly from you, mm-hmm. how do you sort of make sure that they're able to purchase it? That is a great, great, great question because that happens all the time. That's why our internet-based distributors are huge where someone can buy someone online. It's funny you mentioned Columbus. We actually do have a distributor there that does stock our products, yeah. you know, battery-operated <laughs> stuff. And it's really funny even you mentioned Ohio because – the city of Toledo, of all places, and it's funny, my aunt and uncle raised their kids in, in Toledo, Ohio, of all places, for decades. There are hundreds of light controllers huh. in Toledo, Ohio, by the, the Chrysler factory. And if you look in any of the medians in Toledo, you'll see light controllers. I mean, there's hundreds of them all over the place. So that's kind of like, I would say our East Coast claim to our Midwest, Northeast US kind of claim to fame. I said like the second biggest market for us is Florida and you go, you know, east of the Mississippi. So that's, that's definitely a challenge, uh, big time like that, that kind of dictates even where I go for trade shows. I mean, it's very difficult to try and get some things going and have get distributors to stock your product. If you're in an area where it's not stocked, you know, people. Right. Cause they can be as much as a stocking distributor is a friend. One who isn't can actually be a barrier. Right. Absolutely. You get interest, this contractor, whoever is ready to go. And then they go to the distributor and it can be like pulling teeth. Well, we don't have it. We got to add it. No, 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 no. Why don't you try this other one that we already have on the shelf? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're go- always going to 
especially with the bigger companies that have these big back end rebates with people. Um, you know, they are the trickle down effect. We want you to push Hunter, Rainbird, Tor, whatever the case may be. We're making the most amount of money off the product and we're making the most off this rebate. So, and if a contractor, especially with something like a battery operated controller, yes, some larger companies definitely do stock, you know, their enough battery controllers, you know, based off their, you know, their needs. Everybody is, is different as far as that goes. But when you get somebody that needs something now, it's, you're just adding more time and more of a process to somebody buying something online, you know, right. from somebody, um, you know, from anybody when your product is, is not stocked in the area. Like I've definitely cut trade shows out based off that. Okay. I know we used to do these shows in Florida and the Northwest and, 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 and in the Rockies, but if you don't have enough stock, it's just not justifiable to go to that trade show, spend the money, you know, spend the time, talk about things. Well, who, you know, you obviously get asked all the time, who stocks it locally? And if you can't have somebody, you know, some outlet for them to go to, it's just easy. Even if even from an internet based standpoint, it's just one more step and, and more time for that person to physically get their hands. Right. The well, product. they want so, easy. Typically they want easy. So they want you to go do all the work, sell all these contractors. So the contractors come in and they're like, Hey, I want to buy $10,000 of dig. Oh, cool. That's enough. We can do that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, well, this is good. I want to sort of end this by just, you know, allowing you, you know, as much time as you'd want to sort of, if someone's thinking about dig, what do you want them to, what do you want them to remember or be interested in when they think of the brand and the company mm -hmm. dig? I would say, I think it's pretty cool. I posted something on LinkedIn on, on Earth Day overall. I mean, we're pretty, I'm an environmentally friendly person as much as I humanly can be, but I think we have a very, you know, green line with our alternative power controllers outside of the, the unfortunate, you know, evil of the batteries. Again, those can be recycled. You know, there's a lot of distributors now recycling, you know, controllers from everybody, but you know, with our drip micro irrigation products, it's all about, you know, saving water, and you know keeping our alternative powered controllers in mind mm -hmm. in areas when you know there's no easy access to ac power you know obviously something that's you know like you mentioned before a flagship item something like light it's a very unique solution there's really there is no equal to it you know on the commercial market so yeah that's something I, that, I love what you just said because you just reframed battery saying battery is such a non-sexy boring utility yeah. type of a phrase and the fact that you said alternative yeah. power never really given much thought to that but i think that's a really great way mm -hmm. to describe what is known as battery powered controllers alternative power man that sounds yeah. way better because it's nice because I, I like it because it, it it puts the battery operated and or light controller products, you know, kind of together. And, you know, when you don't have power, that's kind of what I want um, or I like, yeah. you know, people to, to kind of think about dig. Awesome. That's great. And I think if I, that's, it's beautiful because if you tell somebody, yeah, we, we have alternative power controllers, they might say to you, what does that mean? Tell me more about that. Now you can have a conversation. Yeah. If you said, yeah, we sell battery operated yeah. controllers. Like, okay, I know what that is. Cool. Exactly. It leaves a nice opening for, yeah. 
um, you know, for the light products as well. So um, there you go. Dig being rebranded as an alternative power control company. (laughs) There we go. I like it. Very cool. Well, thanks so much, Mike. Um, of course, Andy. I really appreciate you having me on. What's the, what's the best Great. way for people to reach out to you if they want to learn more about alternative power controllers? <laughs> so you can check out our website, www.digcorp.com. Uh, you can send me an email if you're looking for any you know more information or have any questions about our products. So my email is just Mike, M-I-K-E, M at D-I-G, corp.com or even call my cell phone 760-613-8276 wow brave man you're gonna get millions of calls too andy as as a worst case scenario (laughs) awesome if i'll get him in the midwest if someone's calling from further away cool well thanks so much for sharing and uh we'll have to sync back up once the um your new system comes to be so excited for that can't wait to see it awesome enjoy mike i appreciate it thank you very much andy Hey, real quick, at the end of this episode, I have an ask. Because this podcast is not sponsored, I'm not generating any revenue from this podcast. It is just me giving back to the world, giving back to you, giving back to the industry. I have over a thousand hours dedicated to this podcast so far. So far. So my ask of you is to please share it with a friend. Please share it with a colleague. And hey, if you have a recommendation for someone that I should interview or chat with on the podcast, let me know. Please let me know. would love to have your recommendation for who a future guest should be. And yeah, that's my ask, guys. Please share the podcast with a friend. Like, comment, subscribe, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode.